you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks, coming at you on the uh, the launch of the World Cup, Buck. So you will not hear a word. You will not hear a peep. This will be the first podcast you will not hear Sully one time. He is so locked in and glued in to some uh, World Cup game right now. Match. <laughs> Sorry, World Cup match. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. World Cup is exciting. It's unfortunate that we are not in the oh, World Cup. Kind of takes away from some of the uh, enthusiasm that I would have over soccer. But look. I am a budding soccer fan. Nice. My, my daughter my daughter is in the soccer. Um, hey, you wouldn't believe this. Natron Means' his daughter is like a high-level soccer player. Really? She's going Natron to Means University. business? Yeah, she's going to the University of North Carolina. She's committed. Oh, they're she's good. Going, if she's going to UNC. And so I think she has her daddy's footwork. Yeah. And like I've seen Asha like, play a little bit on Facebook or whatever, and she's a monster. So uh, with all my crew having little daughters who are going on to be these – Soccer players, I decided, like, I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to pay attention a little more. I'm nice. going to pay attention. So I'm, at, I'm excited to look at the World Cup and just kind of see if I can learn more about the game. I got really excited the last time the World Cup was going on. I learned a lot, and so now I'm excited to see it back. Yeah, I wish we made it, Buck. I wish we made it. But, uh, hey, at least we got the World Cup bid for 2026. We that know we're cool, not yo. missing that one. That is pretty cool. Like, uh, to have uh, Canada, U.S., and Mexico host, that would be a pretty cool deal. It's fun. Yeah. All right, what's There's on the pot today, fellas? Sully is already uh, Sully's already camping out for tickets to several no. of those 2026 uh, matches there around the I'm around ready. North America. We got one more between it. I'm ready for the next one already. <laughs> On to the next we one. May, hopefully we make it. And I saw it went to 48. So yep. we're like we're like the uh, the A10, like the Atlantic 10, like fourth place finishing <laughs> team. That you, just, you just hope that they expand the NCAA tournament so that we can get in. And then of course, uh, we, are we playing in the play-in game? Is that what we're doing now? As a country? <laughs> yeah, right. No, 48's not till the the 2026 World Cup, so it's still 32 oh, okay. on this next round to Qatar. So we have to qualify for that one. Can't be missing two straight. Oh. 
Jeez, brutal. All right, that's way too much soccer talk at the top of the show here. Uh, Buck, uh, why don't you let people know what we've got coming up today? Busy busy show today. A busy show today, but it's a lot of exciting news. Andrew Luck is back throwing, so we're talking about where he ranks amongst the quarterbacks in the game. Uh, do the Browns have the best receiver core based on what Josh Gordon Jarvis Landry said about their crew? Ravens quarterback situation, a lot of buzz about Lamar Jackson. And then finally, what are the expectations for the second-year running backs in the National Football League? Yeah, a lot of that uh, to get to, as well as a couple good interviews there. Mackenzie Melton, one of our favorite players from the Elite 11 uh, weekend, the UCF quarterback, who I guess we call him, a, well, some will call him a national champion quarterback there, uh, coming off UCF's undefeated season. And then what many believe is the top quarterback in college football returning, Drew Locke from Missouri. So I've got my conversation with both those guys from the Elite 11, the Elite 11 uh, a week or two ago. So we'll roll those at the end of the show. But Buck, I want to start here at the top. You mentioned Andrew Luck back throwing again. Did you get a chance to see the clip of him throwing? Yeah, I got a chance to see him throwing. It looked like he was throwing a little small ball, like a little small ball, like a Lerf ball almost. I mean, I know it was a real <laughs> football and he was talking about, um, I heard his interview where he was talking about different balls, work different muscles, different throwing motions, whether it's a round ball, a tennis ball, a softball, um, a high school ball versus the Duke. So it's exciting to see him throw, but I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think this is going to be a challenge for the Indianapolis Colts because if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm thinking about facing the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck, I am squatting on everything short and intermediate. I am going to see if he can really unleash the deep ball because if he can't unleash the deep ball, it shrinks the field and it makes the Indianapolis Colts have to play in a phone booth. It will be interesting to see when they do allow him to play in the preseason if they just let him chuck some deep balls to try and keep people away from squatting and condensing the field. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, it's just a little tiny clip of him just look like throwing just kind of a swing pass or flare pass. And it's not like he's out there just gripping it and ripping it. I mean, it definitely, uh, to me, looked like he's still a long ways off from being ready to play an NFL game. And then you go back and read the comments and somebody, I don't know who wrote, somebody wrote an article and they referenced a lot of the same comments he had coming into last season. Like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be better than I ever was, you know, ultra confident that this thing's, you know, going to take care of itself here. And we know how, how that ended. So I don't know. It still seems a little murky to me, I, definitely up in the air. And then when you look at kind of what's around him and who he's throwing the ball to, Outside of T.Y. Hilton, Buck, I don't get too excited. I mean, Eric Ebron coming over could be uh, could be a sneaky good signing uh, with the uh, somebody that's kind of hoping you get to that next team, take that next step. But man, I I don't know. I just, I still don't think this is a very good football team. I know they're better up front, bringing over Quentin Nelson and some of the investments they've made in the offensive line over the last couple of years. But Andrew Luck wasn't really lighting the league on fire right before he got hurt anyway. So I, I don't know. I just think some people are saying, oh, Andrew Luck's healthy. They're right back in the playoff mix. I, I think this team is, is still a long ways away. Oh, I do believe Andrew Luck gets the perpetual pass when it comes to his play. Because let's be honest, last couple of years we saw him on the field. He wasn't playing at like the highest level. Um, and one of those seasons, Matt Hasselbeck won more games than he did as a starter for the Colts. Um, he has been a guy who has been kind of plagued with the injury bug. And so from a, a durability standpoint, can we depend on Andrew Luck to be there for all 16 games? And now you're talking about someone who may be playing without his fastball. He may be forced to be an off-speed pitcher. We'll see if he can win games like that. Now, we've seen some guys who don't have necessarily A-level arm strength have success, but for Andrew Luck, arm strength has always been one of the things that he could do. He could use every area to field, stretch the football field horizontally and vertically. Can he continue to do that now? I think the big thing 
will be we talk about these receivers. If he's not the same guy that he was, then you need your wide receiver core to be a little better because they need to elevate his play. T.Y. Hilton, yes, is a pro bowler. Ryan Grant is a solid player. But do they have enough difference makers to kind of mask some of the deficiencies that he may show without uh, a fully loaded clip? We'll see. This team I don't think is going to be great. Maybe they can get the six wins. But a lot of their optimism has been kind of hinging on number 12's return. We'll see if he can be the same player that he once was. Tell you what, too, you don't want to be somebody that's worried about, you know, a shoulder and concern when you got to go up against Jacksonville, Houston, and I'll even throw Tennessee in there twice because you see some of the pieces they've added to their defense, but especially Jacksonville and Houston. They will get after the quarterback. They can they can lock you up. That's uh, not an easy assignment. The Colts kind of missed that window where that division was terrible when mm-hmm. they had all those other teams down, and they, you know, they got to the playoffs but never were able to cash that in in a big, big way. And now that division, because they picked in the top 10 for so long, so many of those teams now, some of the most talented teams in the league. You know, that's that's a very interesting thing. And I think what would be um, more fascinating to watch is we can talk about where Andrew Luck ranks among the league's quarterbacks. Where is he going to rank among the division quarterbacks? Like we mm-hmm. can talk about Deshaun Watson being a hot commodity, Marcus Mariota, will he be rejuvenated? Will he bounce back with the new offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, taking over? And then Blake Bortles. We can say we want to about Blake Bortles, but they won a division. He got them on the cusp, the precipice of going to the Super Bowl, played a little better in the playoffs. Where will Andrew Luck rank in that division? Because he is the only guy that is playing without a solid defense like these other guys, doesn't necessarily have the explosive weapons like some of these other teams have. So a lot is on him. And if he's not the same guy, I just don't know how that leads the Indianapolis Colts in this division. It got me thinking, though, as we move on here, it's my son is, you know, he's in eighth grade. He has had a little bit of a sore elbow. So now I'm thinking I might just do the Andrew Luck thing instead of having him throw the high school ball. Now I get him down to like the little, maybe like the little <laughs> mini ball they give away at the, uh, yeah, uh, the, the ball the that, store, flies, you know? that and, flies all over the place. When you, yeah, when yeah. You, well, God. Yeah, when I was a kid, they used to give those games. When you go to high school games, they would give out like the little, the little white oh, the ball mini. with the stripes. Yeah, you just fling that oh, thing yeah. seventy yards all over the field. A little Nerf ball? No, yeah. no, no, no. Not even no, even not even the mini. The, they're oh, like plastic. The, the, the hard plastic. Yeah, plastic ones. I got you ones, with yeah. like with like the the local law firm on the yeah, side. Of it. Yeah, yeah. I got throw you. those all over the yard. Yeah, had a couple of those. <laughs> That's really good for your arm, by the way. Uh, <laughs> hey, Buck, you wrote something. Uh, big quote here. I think caught a lot of attention here. A couple of Browns receivers. Uh, self-labeled uh, there uh, as the best wide receiving core in the NFL. So they went ahead and put that label on themselves. And uh, I know it kind of got your wheels churning a little bit. You're uh, writing a little something on that and where they do stack up with the top receiving cores in the league. I'm, I'm guessing it's not at, at number one for you? Uh, it's not at number one, but they're in the top five. I think the, 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 the team that I have at number one is going to shock some people. But I'm going to say it anyway. I think the Minnesota Vikings actually have the best receiver core in the league. Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Cal Rudolph, when you look at them collectively, I think both of those guys can kind of alternate between being the number one receiver. Cal Rudolph has like 15 uh, red zone touchdowns over the past three years, most of any tied in. And when you, you, you think about what Kirk Cousins did, Kirk Cousins strategically put himself in a situation where he can have a wide receiver core help him go from good to great. I think they are, without a doubt, the number one receiver core in the league. And then the rest of my list, the Falcons. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Because I haven't read it yet. I want to take some guesses. Oh, I got one that you would never guess. 
All right, I want to guess a couple. Okay, I, I got I got one team that I know there's no way you were ever guessed. This team is a top right, five. So we've established already Minnesota and Cleveland. So that's two of the five. Yeah, that's two they're of the five. Yeah, they're good. I'm gonna say the Atlanta Falcons is one of the five. Oh uh, yeah, that's easy. I'm gonna say, how about the New York Giants is one of the five? Nope. Nope, don't have them in. All right. How about the Rams as one of the five? No, come on. No, 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 no. Nope. Oh, you're not a Cooper Cup guy. I like Cooper. I mean, I like Cooper uh, Cup. Hold, hold on. Let me see. Let me look at the rest of this here. Hmm. Because the Rams have a bunch of Bs. B, B pluses. I like I like those. You, you, you can okay, get let me see what else we got here. So you said no on the Giants, no on the Rams. I'm going to guess. Uh, did you, put, you didn't put the Bengals in there, did you? No, nope, nope. Oh, oh, hello. Steelers have got to be in there. Okay, they're in there. But there, but there's one team. There's one so team. So I got one team left, and you said I will never guess it? Oh, there's no way you're guessing this team. Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. Wait, you've been stealing on my paper? Is you, that you, it? Yes. You, you looking on my paper? I'm not looking on your paper. I just – hey, hold up, hold up, because we're not in studio together. So let me just – can you roll up your left sleeve a little bit? I just want to see – is that Sammy Watkins' tattoo? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. During the draft process, you had a guy like as a, as, like your Number third two. best player? Number, yeah, so I'm just – look, I'm just looking at DJ's top 50, and I'm just making sure <laughs> that we play the hits. But when you look at the court, like – I mean, I'm be honest with you. I had to go back and look at some tape, but I didn't know the numbers. I didn't know Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey both went over 1,000 yards. No, no, they're legit. I also didn't know that Sammy Watkins, in the last couple of years, he's the only guy who has 25 touchdowns oh, and averages over that. 15. I, what? When I, what? When I, I saw like, what? That, when I saw that tweeted out, I was when like, I saw what? Sammy Watkins tweeted out the stat on Sammy Watkins over like the last five years, I was like, oh my gosh, I hope Bucky doesn't see this. Oh, if what? he sees this, yes. he might write three articles on this. Oh, man. So then I did, I did some digging, and I looked at his big plays. Man, the amount of big plays this guy's produced, like, say what we want. The first couple of years in Buffalo were really good. Look, I mean, I'm just saying. I, so they're in the mix. And then, I mean, they may have the Hall of Famer to be at quarterback. How can you not like this wide receiver core? Pat Mahomes. Go, Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Never, you know this? He's never thrown an incompletion ever in his life. No, he did have a rough day in practice. I heard uh, a couple, you know. Over the last, I don't know. I just hear sunshine and rainbows, man. I never heard anything negative. But um, yeah. no, here's my thing on Sammy, and I I loved Sammy Watkins coming to that draft. Huge grade on him, and I still love Sammy Watkins. I just don't think when that 16 million number came out, I was like, man, is he the 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 best? You're gonna put that label on him to be making that kind of cheese? I was like, ah, see, but then, much. But then you saw the stats. Yeah, yeah. I love that stat. As soon as that thing got posted, I was like, oh, and I wasn't and I wasn't the Sammy guy like that when he's coming out, but I I can appreciate what they're trying to build in Kansas City because now I'm looking you got three big play threats. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. You can't double team all of them. Who do you take away? So I would like to think that one on one coverage, one of those guys can win. Tyreek Hill still, to me, is an polished wide receiver. I think that's why they needed Sammy Watkins to kind of be more the pure wide receiver. But in terms of playmaking ability, they have everything that you could want on the outside. Plus, you have a running back in Kareem Hunt. They are guaranteed to get one-on-ones, and they're banking that their guys can beat your number ones. I, I think it's a nice mix. That's why they, they kind of deserve a little more on potential than proven production. But I think the Chiefs are going to be there in the end. Well, the good news for that Chiefs offense, too, is I think the defense is going to let the other team score so fast they'll get the ball right back and then get uh, a all lot those of fun. weapons right back A lot back of fun to watch games in Kansas City. More like an arena. It should, could be arena feel. 
Could feel like an arena game. Pat Mahomes out there, shots and scrambles, all the receivers making plays. Tariq Hill outrunning everybody on the field. I mean, it's going to look a lot like a Madden game. So we should give them like uh, an arena team name then. Like, you know, Kansas City. They can't, well, we can't go to Kansas City Soul. I think Philadelphia's already got that one. Yeah, but uh, we got to give them some kind of, not the Chiefs. We got to give them some kind of an arena name, like the, the Storm, the Kansas the City Storm. Something, something. I mean, it has, to, it has to be something like that because they're going to have to outscore people. They're not going to be able to stop people. Not with that defense. That's fine by me. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, what are your th- what's your thoughts on uh, on what's going on, the news coming out of Baltimore with their quarterback situation, Buck? Not surprised at all. Look, we talked about how exciting Lamar Jackson could be. And I think the one thing um, everyone who scouted him, you couldn't deny that the dude was a talented player. Dual threat playmaker guy, look, won the Heisman Trophy, back-to-back season where he had 3,400 pass yards and 1,500-plus rushing yards. So you knew that he could be dynamic. And you knew that the speed was real. The arm talent was real. He was a little inaccurate, particularly on deep throws and throwing outside the numbers. But you could see where there were enough clips and highlights that you could see him make some splash plays. And I think what we're hearing out of camp, the vets see the potential. And because he is such a contrast to what they had in Joe Flacco, who is a old school, traditional quarterback, not a lot of sizzle, not a lot of pizzazz to his game or his personality, Lamar Jackson could kind of swallow him up with some of the things that he does on the field. And I think the reports that we're getting out of Baltimore is just a reflection of that. But I actually think he has an opportunity to be a pretty good quarterback, depending on how he's handled, how he's managed, what they do with that offense. Um, this is something that the Ravens haven't had. They haven't had someone that could create at quarterback. He could elevate that offense just because he can make a number of plays off the script. Yeah, I, I kind of chuckled a little bit when I heard that they have uh... – They've been experimenting with having, quote-unquote, two quarterbacks. I, I don't know how that works. I, 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 just, I just know how that works because no one well, – I just thought it was funny that they've gone out of their way to say there's two quarterbacks on the field. So Because remember all the talk and, and with Lamar's mom saying, no, 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 he's quarterback only. So it's like, well, if you label him a quarterback but you want him on the field and he's lined up in the slot, so we don't <laughs> technically use – we're not referring to him as a wide receiver. No, 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 he's a quarterback – but no. we're just going to give but, him some reps But you know what slot. this is? This is this is flag football. You are very familiar with flag football. Oh, you yeah. understand the rules of flag football. So here's what we're going to do with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, we're going to put you at running back so we can hand it to you. So now as the quarterback, you can yeah. run it and throw it. That's what the Baltimore Ravens. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. what the Baltimore Ravens are doing. They are now taking flag football rules because on our network starting June 30th, we're going to show a little flag football <laughs> with Michael Vick. They are taking the rules and saying, "Hey, we're gonna give the world a preview of what is going to be on our network." Wow, what a plug, Bucky! How about that? Nice plug. Nicely done. That was nice. Nicely done. The uh, here's the thing, though, Joe Flacco. I would love to be like you're in the huddle. Look, I haven't played that position even at the college level. You know you know the drill. You're in the huddle. All of a sudden, you see the other quarterback that everybody's talking about comes running out to the huddle, and you go, wait, am I out? No, 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 no. We're, we're both going to play. We're both going to be out there. Like, I know the path where this is headed. Like, eventually, he's going to – Lamar come running out there, and Joe's going to be like, all right, where, where are you lining up on this? Are you running back to X? Where, where, where are you at? He's like, no, 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 you're, yeah, you're out, Joe. No, uh, <laughs> this is uh, you're not this, cool this one, out here anymore. This one, this one, you're, you're, you're not in. You're not in. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, – Hey, hey, Joe, come, come, come here. We're just gonna give him a rep or two. That's that's yeah. how I, that's how it starts in practice. Joe walks back. No, 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 no. Let him stay for a minute. Let him stay for a minute. Let's let him finish the series out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, only- like, it's like to me, it's like the Ravens are the are the guy saying, "Hey, no, no, no. I, 
you know, Joe, no, no, I, you know, I really, no, we're gonna have a great time. We have a great time. Yeah, but can you, can you bring your friend? We're, we'll go out this weekend, but just, just bring that friend with you. We'll go, we'll go catch a movie. You don't want just the two of us? No, 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 no. Just, just bring your friend. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what it is. But I do think it's exciting. I think it's exciting for Baltimore because in this division, you need a little something. And the one thing that Lamar Jackson might be able to do. He can make the play caller right. If the play caller doesn't have the right call in, uh, the defense wins. Well, Lamar Jackson can scoot out the pocket, gain 10 yards, get a first down. You're right back on track. That is the one benefit for having an athletic playmaker at the position. Uh, I think it gives him a chance. But anyone who saw this draft, saw it line up, saw the RG3 signing, you knew that the Baltimore Ravens were trending towards Lamar Jackson being the dude. I think now what we're hearing is some of the things that are taking place at OTAs and at minicamp are kind of validating their opinion on Lamar Jackson as their potential QB1 going forward. In honor of the World Cup, Buck, and the, now just since I said World Cup, Sully actually stopped watching the match for a second and, and perked up a little bit. But in honor of the World Cup, I'm going to give you an empty net shot here. Okay, We've pulled the goalie. You've got a breakaway. There's not even a goalie in there. Who was the starting quarterback for the Ravens week eight of the 2018 NFL season? Uh, that's good. That's good timing. Week eight, I think Lamar Jackson's probably in there by yeah. week eight. As long, as you, as long as you didn't say week one, week no, eight, yeah. Yeah. Week eight. It's a yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think he's in there right now. Pulling the goalie, the NHL playoffs are over, DJ. Not you don't pull of, the goalie in soccer when you're down trying not to a, score late? Not a lot of goalie pulling, no. No? Uh-uh. Even when, know, even when you're desperate. My son, no, even when you're desperate. Show off and he takes yeah, the you bring the goalie. If you're desperate, the, the, the move is to bring the goalie it's up. It's kind of annoying. You, you, you move him up, but you don't pull him? Right, you don't pull him. You don't yeah, put another. You, you move him. You you bring up so if you have like a yeah, corner at the end of the game. Yeah, he whatever. Yeah, he comes up. And then there's like that mad dash. you want to use with your football, you know, slash soccer. Come on. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I see what you're saying. I got you. Um, he's leaving this the uh, the goalie box. Yeah. How about that one? Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Which, by the way, the goalie box, is that the smaller box or the bigger box? It's a smaller hmm. box. Okay. What's yep. the bigger box called? The penalty box? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Lesson. boy. Next, you next, you got to learn set pieces, corner kicks, plays. Yeah, oh, that's a bit much. So Let's like take that. baby steps here. It's basketball. It literally is basketball. It's give and go. It's give and go basketball all day. You give kick and go. It, take a run. Get it back, put it in, yep. and, and hopefully your guy can 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 muscle it can in finish. with his right or his left. There you go. Hey, Buck, I'm gonna give you one assignment today. Uh, if if you just just promise me you'll do this, uh, tweet out something about the World Cup. I don't care how you mention it, but just spell Colombia, C O L U M D I A instead of C O L O, which is the I, correct I spelling. I can't. I spelled it Colombia like the jacket. <laughs> Not the not not the nation, and no. I mean, I've had other times where you've misspelled some NFL fans again. No, 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 no. There was I got destroyed. I mean, I'm talking not not like five, ten, maybe those Colombian fans are passionate, just man. Crushing me. That's not even you didn't even spell it right. So disrespectful. I wonder, um, who are you pulling for, Sully? Who are you? Iceland, for? Iceland, smallest country to ever qualify for the World why, Cup. Why are you pulling for them? They made a. Miraculous run. Oh, Bucky! Don't oh, two ask years questions. Ago. I've already heard this. Right. Like, they made a miraculous like, run in the whole uh, two years ago. Like, in the don't, Euros. You want, don't you want to have someone that has a chance to be the? Oh, they got a chance. They got a chance. Not got, one. Not one of the powers. Not France. No, that's not that's, Brazil. That's too cliche. No. No. Bucky, it's, did it's you know Iceland, that Iceland and whoever's playing Mexico has more FIFA level coaches for their youth programs? 
Did you know that every major city in Iceland has a covered stadium? Yep. Like the, Bucky, this is what happens when I'm on early for the call <laughs> is that Sully fills me in on on this every little minute detail of this World Cup. He's filling me in. Yeah, we got we need to do a better job in our country. Yeah, we do. We, Absolutely. We need more athletes. Grassroots movement. It's coming. Uh, All right. Please, please. Mercy. Let's have some mercy and let's go. Uh, oh, 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 I'm excited. Backs. Oh, sec. What? This topic here is this is exciting to me. That's a nice one. DJ, expectations for year two running backs. You like backs. that? Oh, I like that. That's a, that's a good topic. You start with Leonard Fournette. What do you, what do you got on Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette. Look, 1,000-yard season last year, nine touchdowns. Um, people kind of rail on him for the yards per carry. I saw a lot of some smart folks out there, too, that said um, it was more coincidental that the win total had upticked, uh, you know, with Leonard Fournette's presence, and they point to the games he wasn't there, and they still ran the ball very effectively. Uh, but I do think there is something that you can't really find in the stats. I think there's an identity. I think there's a commitment when you spend a high pick like that on a running back. It shows a commitment that you're going to run the football. It's an identity move, and I think the the power that he runs with. I don't care if it's a two yard run or a, or a thirty yard run. Being able to finish people and bang on people. I think not only does it have an impact on the defense and you kind of make the argument of whether or not you're wearing them down or not, I just think it's a psychological thing for your offense that says this is who we are. We're aggressive, we're physical, uh, and he's kind of a kind of a physical representation of this whole philosophy they've adapted there. Yeah, I think run game gives you your toughness. Uh, you think about the toughness of your team, it's reflected in your run game and your ability to play really good defense. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars' identity is built on their defense and their ability to be physical on the ground. Leonard Fournette was the missing piece to that run game. And yes, he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. He did have over 1,000 yards. But I think you got everything that you needed to see from Leonard Fournette in that Pittsburgh game. Early in the year when they ran it down Pittsburgh's throat, I thought that was the Jacksonville Jaguars coming out party when it came to playing big boy football. And then in the playoffs, even though he didn't have big games in the playoffs, you have to always account for Leonard Fournette. And so much like the Seattle Seahawks for years, their identity was tied to Marshawn Lynch. Leonard Fournette's presence in the backfield alleviates some of the pressure on Blake Bortles and really allows him to play well because everyone knows you got to put an extra defender in the box, gives them one-on-one, and it's one of the reasons why they're able to play without a marquee receiver on the outside and a marquee quarterback under center. Yeah, so expectations for me, uh, year two, Buck, I think you see him get a little bit more involved in the pass game. I, I think that's kind of that natural evolution for him, uh, be a little bit more involved. Screens, uh, swings, get him. I, I don't know necessarily he's going to be somebody you're going to split out and have him running all kind of routes, but I think you can get him the ball. I just flare him out the ball, make some of those perimeter edge defenders try and get him on the ground. Easier said than done. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that's the thing. If he can uh, contribute, maybe 35 to 40 receptions out the backfield, that is the next step. Uh, speaking of the next step, Christian McCaffrey taking high top 10 pick um, had a ton of receptions over 80 receptions last year but as a runner eh, left a little bit to be desired they signed over CJ Anderson maybe to be kind of the bell cow the focal point of the running game what do you expect from Christian McCaffrey this year I, th- I honestly think you're going to see probably more of the same I think you, you pencil him in for another 80 to 90 catches uh, out of the backfield I, I would like to see them you know take 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 some of that load off of him in the run game. I know they have other other guys they can mix through there. You mentioned uh, uh, C.J. Anderson, Cameron Artis Payne. They've got some bodies they can throw in there. I just think the maybe the temptation because you took him so high is to say we're gonna try and make him something that I don't think he is, and just mm-hmm. make him a 20 carry guy. I think that's foolish. I think he's gonna make his impact in the passing game. The comparison was made coming out 
with him and Reggie Bush. Now, I think there's a little different in terms of you know how they do it stylistically, but I think in, in, in how you deploy them, I think that's the formula. I think that's how you use him. He's going to be a weapon in the passing game. You're going to major in the passing game. You're going to sprinkle in the run game. I think that's exactly who he is. I think he is Reggie Bush. I think he is a guy that when you're looking at him as a tailback, it's not about rushing yards. It's about scrimmage yards. And however he gets those, be it uh, 100-plus receptions, be it 1,000 yards on the ground, I think at the end of the game what I would like to see is Christian McCaffrey has 100 scrimmage yards. If he gets 1,600 scrimmage yards on the year, I think that is a very successful season for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So we're all on the same page here. We get to the next one. Dalvin Cook. Buck, you're you're a fan of the power statement, right? You like a good power statement. Love a big power statement. Make it big. I think Dalvin Cook could lead the NFL in rushing next year. Ooh, I could second How's it. that for a power statement? I mean, I second that emotion, and here's why I'll second it. Everyone coming in that faces the Minnesota Vikings, I talked about their wide receiver core being number one. They now have the high-priced quarterback in Kirk Cousins. So naturally, the tendency is to think that they're going to want to justify or validate why they went and got Kirk Cousins. So they're going to throw it all over the yard. The problem that you have defensively is how do you stop Dalvin Cook? Because when Dalvin Cook played those first three or four games, he looked like maybe the best player on the field. Stop-start quickness, his ability to catch the ball out the backfield, but also run with some power and finesse. He's a terrific talent. Uh, you talk about him leading the league in rushing. I conservatively said, look, he's going to get 1,100-plus rushing yards. But you're right. He very well could be a guy that explodes as a runner. But he's another one of those guys. These new school running backs, they not only give it to you as runners, but as receivers. He is going to be a big difference maker for the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I just look back. Remember uh, when Chris Johnson had that 2,000-yard season? Yeah. I think you could see something kind of similar. I'm not even saying 2,000 yards, but, I mean, just in terms of how he was used – I think you could see Dalvin Cook uh, kind of have that type of a year where it's going to be he's going to have games where he has 15, 16 carries for 160 yards. I mean, because he can hit those home runs and those yards add up quick. They do add up quick. He's a big time player. I, I, I'm really optimistic about what he's going to bring in his return. All right, 4.8 yards a carry last year. Of course, the injury coming off that, but I think he'll be uh, just fine. I think a huge year coming up for Dalvin Cook. What do you expect here from uh, Joe Mixon year two? I think Joe Mixon has a chance to be a star. Um, they finally cleaned out the backfield. Jeremy Hill is no longer there. So now it becomes the Joe Mixon show with Giovanni Bernard kind of playing as a, a supporting actor. Joe Mixon is a guy that we talked about talent on the field. He has everything that you look for. He has size. He has speed. He has power. He can catch the ball out the backfield, run routes. He is a guy that you really need to feature. And if the Cincinnati Bengals were smart, they would have taken a long look in the offseason and how the Pittsburgh Steelers have used Le'Veon Bell for so long. This guy has that kind of ability, that kind of talent. I look for him to be a big difference maker for the Bengals this season. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Probably of all those second-year backs, if you look back at the rookie season, probably for me most disappointed, just in terms of expectations of what we would see from Joe Mixon and then what we got. Um, so, look, talent is undeniable. Uh, we'll see offensively. I think you bring in a Billy Price in the draft. I think you've upgraded there at the, uh, the center of your offensive line, uh, bringing over Cordy Glenn from Buffalo. So I like some of the moves they've made up front to get better there. And now it's just a matter of Joe Mixon. I think to me, with him, it's almost a confidence thing. Just get him going early, feature him early in the season. Uh, and then it should be able to play off each other nicely when you've got A.J. Green working down the field and then you uh, you get Joe Mixon going. Now this offense really, really starts to get cranked up. I, I think we will see a big improvement here in year two. Yeah, I expect it. They know that what they have. They have to be able to 
kind of retain a level of physicality and toughness. They need to be able to run the ball, but also use him as the centerpiece of that offense. You have A.J. Green on the outside, who certainly is going to command a lot of attention. But Joe Mixon could be the guy that they lean on to allow everyone else to be able to get into a groove and a rhythm. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, the Chiefs passing attack and those weapons they have, which is ridiculous with all the speed and playmaking they have on the outside, the tight end position. Uh, they're in great shape as well. So Kareem Hunt last year, 1,327 yards. That's a tough one to top in year two. It is a tough one to top. The reason I'm optimistic about him even topping that and being even a bigger difference maker is he's such a good receiver out of the backfield. We mm -hmm. saw him utilize him, tap into some of those skills. But now when you have all of those burners on the outside, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, that can stretch the field, and you still have the guy that can run it but also catch it out the backfield, there are going to be a lot of big play opportunities for him, not as a runner but as a receiver, on swings, checkdowns, and option routes, run off to coverage, dump it to him, allow him to break some tackles and make big things happen. This is a really, really good player, a guy that was kind of under the radar in the draft process. We saw him at the senior bowl, catch the ball or whatever, had no idea that he would make his mark immediately like this. But now that he's here and their new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, being a former running back, I think you'll find you'll see different ways that they tap into his creativity as a playmaker. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you look at all the weapons they have. The only question is just, you know, there is there enough to go around for everybody? But, you know, hey, you talk about getting him involved in the passing game, using him in different areas. I don't know that he, he – maybe he doesn't eclipse the 13-27 on the ground, but I do think you see him become more involved in the passing game. I, I was looking at this group here, Buck, and we've been kind of having some fun with Patrick Mahomes, who, look, everybody's been raving about him. The ability is unquestionable. We just haven't seen a lot of it, just that one game. And so we've kind of like, ah, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's not get too carried away with Pat Mahomes. But when you look at this offense as a whole, is this the best offensive unit in the NFL? Take the quarterback, move the court, take the quarterback out of the equation. Just what the quarterback has to play with. Is there anything better than what they have in Kansas City? They don't have a glaring weakness, particularly when it comes to the skill players. They have running backs, they have big-time wide receivers. They have a tight end that can control the middle. Um, if I was playing a video game, this would be one of the first teams that I go to in terms of being able to have the offense that I want where I know that I can score points. So, yeah, they, they have everything that you want. It's a matter of getting the young quarterback up to speed. But if he just kind of plays within himself and allows his playmakers to work, the Kansas City Chiefs should score a lot of points. They should be an offense that puts up 27, 28 points a game just with the personnel that they have on the outside. Uh, I, I remember saying this last year with the Rams and what the expectation was for that offense last year. And I kind of came back to those three P's. I said, if you want to look at, at the formula, the blueprint to have a successful offense, to have a top tier offense, you look at the three P's. It's the play caller, it's the playmakers, it's the protection. And to me, you look at those three areas for this Kansas City Chiefs team, they're in outstanding shape in all three spots. Outstanding shape. They have everything um, that you want. I mean, like this is ultimately the perfect video game team. They need to fix their defense if they're going to be a serious contender in the West and in the AFC. But if they can get their defense up to snuff as they kind of make the youth move, make the transition, getting some of the young players on the field, some of the old players out the building, uh, if they can kind of hold – they're waiting to be a middle-to-pack defense. That offense should be top-notch. That offense has the potential to be a top-five unit if Pat Mahomes can kind of play up to his potential as a second-year player. Speaking of top-five offenses, what to expect here from Alvin Kamara? Uh, year two, Mark Ingram going to be down the first four games of the suspension, so uh, get a chance to maybe give him a little bit heavier workload here to start the season. A little bit, but you don't want to overburden him. But look, I think we both had a bit of a crush on Alvin Kamara coming through the pre-draft 
process. And for whatever reason, he slipped to the third round. But the guy that we saw when he finally got his opportunity in New Orleans is what we saw at Tennessee. And for whatever reason, I don't know why he didn't touch the ball more at Tennessee. I can't really explain it. But if I had a talent like that, I would feed the pig. I would make sure that he got a ton of touches. But, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know why you have a guy like that and you don't want to get him more than 18 touches a game ever in his collegiate career. But Alvin Kamara showed that he is a phenomenal player playmaker and having a playmaker at running back be it as a runner or as a receiver is always advantageous I think he has really helped Drew Brees kind of find and extend his career because now that you can throw little swing passes and dump offs to a guy that can take it a distance from anywhere on the field makes life easy perfect compliment to Michael Thomas on the outside Alvin Kamara is gonna have a big year again my only concern and you touched on it a little bit is just discretion when you look at Alvin Kamara through his college years and, and last year, he's never been somebody that's going to be a 25-carry guy. That's not what he's done. And I think you 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 risk his health a little bit if you try and put too much on him. And those first four games without Mark Ingram, I know it's going to be awful tempting to put the ball in his belly a bunch. I think you got to find a way to sprinkle in some of those other backs. I think Daniel Lasko is one name kind of keep an eye on there. Yes. Uh, young back coming Cal. out of Cal who's got yep. some ability. So yeah. to me, I, I think that's the only thing that would concern me is just – resist the urge to give it even more to him. I think they had a nice balance last year with how they used him. I think that balance is critical. I think last year when I looked it up, maybe the most he had in the game, maybe 16, 17, 18 touches. Um, Mm -hmm. That's who he is. So find a way to maximize those touches. A lot of times if you want more bang for your buck, the majority of those touches should come in the passing game because he chews up more yards. He's, he's, it's really easier for him to have a bigger impact, but you can use him in a variety of ways. I think they will continue to find a way to be creative with him and allow him to be the guy that creates the mismatches on the perimeter. Uh, before we get to these interviews here with a couple of these college quarterbacks, I want to try and find a way to be a good teammate. And being a good teammate is finding a way to, to, to get others involved and make them uh, feel good about themselves. So I want to touch on a topic that, that really concerns the two things that uh, Sully, our producer, and Bucky, my partner, care most about. So uh, starting with Sully, everything U- University of Tennessee, is, <laughs> that is his heart, that is where his soul lies. And with Bucky, it's this obsession to, to, to be that kind of uh, that, that bright light, that, uh, that strong voice out there for a team that just doesn't get talked about enough in the Dallas Cowboys. And Bucky's <laughs> been on a crusade to try and give some attention to this franchise that, that's does not find a way to gain any uh, gain any attention. So this story combines both those loves because I don't know if you saw Cole Beasley's line <laughs> oh, yeah. about his new wide receiver coach and how it's nice to actually have somebody teach you how to run a route and not just hope that you can figure it out on your own, which we know who Ooh. the former wide receiver coach was with the Dallas Cowboys, of course, Whoa. former Tennessee head coach Derek Dooley. Whoa. Yeah. I'm pulling up the, uh, the exact quote. Whoa. Right now, but it, <laughs> it was, was a, a shot. Pretty right, strong shot, man. It was a strong shot. He said, "It feels like for the first time we're actually being taught how to run routes instead of just naturally doing." Wow, <laughs> that's not a good look for Dooley. Who is the new coach? Oh. San, Sanjay Law. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, Sanjay Law. He's been around the league for a little bit. Jets, Raiders, uh, bounced around. Well, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That says a lot. Maybe, maybe I should cut Des Bryant a little slack because he said he. He needed to finally get with a route guru. I was thinking maybe you could accomplish some of that in practice, but maybe Derek Dooley didn't have <laughs> – Maybe he didn't have that maybe, opportunity. Maybe he didn't have any cones. He didn't have any cones. He didn't have anything that he could that he could put out there. He didn't have any drills. He couldn't look at YouTube. He couldn't, he couldn't find oh, anybody that man. could teach him to teach others 
how to run routes. So hey, but Bucky, uh, though you know this, and I'm sure it's true. You, you coach in high school, obviously played in the, at the collegiate level, played the NFL level on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Um, but there are, you know, obviously you'd love for your coach to be a teacher as well as a scheme guy, you know. But you get some of these guys, that's all they care about is scheme. They're trying to figure out what what plan they can put in place to defeat this coverage and this look on this. But in terms of actually teaching, there are guys that, that don't do it. Yeah, no, I mean, there are a lot of guys that, that are kind of like that. Uh, it's unfortunate. You think at the pro level. And look, at the pro level, it's different because the pro game is kind of becoming like the college game with the restrictions in terms of time. You need to have some teachers on your staff that can show these young guys how to play and perform. For Cole Beasley to kind of come out and then shoot, shoot a shot at Derek Dooley says a lot about Derek Dooley, but it kind of says more about Jason Garrett and who he's hiring. Oof, that was not a good look. Uh, yeah, now uh... – and now Mizzou, who are they hiring? Hey, Drew Locke. There it is. Hey, good. Hey, how about that? How about nice that bridge? segue? Nicely done. We're going to get to Drew Locke here in a second. Uh, I'm going to run a couple college interviews that I did. Mentioned it at the top. Mackenzie Melton, uh, quarterback from UCF, who I thought, Buck, we were there side by side watching all those college kids throw at the Elite 11. I thought he elicited more oohs and odds than any other quarterback there. It was shocking to see the ball jump out of his hand. Not the biggest guy, but man, can he spin it. Not the biggest guy, but he definitely can spin it. Strong arm. Did a great job of throwing the ball all over the yard. Got a chance to see him at the uh, Peach Bowl against Auburn. Lit them up. Um, continues to do it. Now, when it comes down to the draft evaluation, size is going to be a factor. But mm-hmm. when you see his arm talent, uh, he's going to have a chance. Uh, yeah, no, no yeah. question. He's still got a couple of years left. I believe he's going into his junior year. And then Drew Locke, a quarterback that most college fans are familiar there at Missouri, going to be coached by the aforementioned uh, Derek Dooley, but one of the top prospects, one of the m- most hype players coming into the 2018 season. I know you got a chance, uh, as I did, to see him throw down there as well, Buck. Big arm, talented guy. This is a guy that hasn't played a lot of quarterback because he was a big-time basketball player kind of coming up through the ranks. The thing that you want to see with Drew is, can he kind of advance his game a little bit? I'm a little worried now that I hear the reports out about Derek Dooley not necessarily being a teaching teacher. But what we have to do is evaluate Drew Locke on the talent alone. And I think we saw the talent, but he is very, very raw in the way he goes about his business. Let's see what kind of numbers he puts up. Because when you look at his numbers last year, he really bit up on a little uh, a bunch of cupcakes. But when it got down to the nitty-gritty, the guts, the nuts and bolts of their schedule, he didn't have as much success. Let's see what kind of success he can have in a new offense and a new offensive coordinator in Derek Dooley. Well, I know one thing. He's not going to improve as a route runner next year. <laughs> uh, not going to happen. Uh, anyways, here's our conversation, or my conversation with Mackenzie Melton and, uh, and Drew Locke. All right, Mackenzie, but tell me about your, your week so far out here uh, with the Elite 11 out here with these high school kids. How's that experience been for you? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, you know, being a counselor here, getting to hang out with some of, some of the great quarterbacks in uh, college football and seeing the, the next generation of great college quarterbacks out here at the Elite 11. I didn't get the opportunity to come out here during high school, so it's been it's been a unique experience for me. It's been a lot of fun. Was this something that you were aware of though in high school and something? Yeah, absolutely. I went I went to the. So were re- you a little red? Were you a little upset about no, that? I, not getting that. I mean, I, I mean the competitor the competitor in you is of course upset, but you know I mean, you know your hard work pays off, and then you you can come out here as a college athlete, and you know it's, it's pretty it's pretty much the same experience. You get to pick the brains of some great QB coaches and and see some great great talent out here. Tell me about your story a little bit now. Go back to go back to high school. We were just talking off air, and I'm sure everybody in college football knows this mm-hmm. story. I must be the one that didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about your high school experience. Yeah, you know, I, I went to Milani High School in Central Oahu, uh, one of the biggest public schools in the state. Uh, started my sophomore year there. Um, 
lost in the state championship. My junior year, we won it. Senior year, I, I banged up my shoulder, had an AC separation, missed most of the year. Actually got knocked out in the, the state state semifinals against two of his guys. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of fun playing there. We had a lot of a lot of talented guys. We had about six or seven guys go D1. Uh, Vavai Malipai yeah, went, yeah, went, to the, went to the opening, yeah. SC. Yeah. Um, Jordan Agasiva is a starting right guard for Utah. Uh, Andrew Toby, who's at Kansas. So, I mean, we, we had a lot of guys. A lot of great talent out at the, out there, and you know I kind of we we had a brotherhood there, and that's kind of carried over to UCF. So I mean it was a special experience for me growing up in Hawaii, just having that that family family uh, bond out there, and you know that's that's what I carry with me. How'd you end up at UCF? That is a long way to go, man. Yeah, I was, I was committed to Hawaii for about over a year, really, and they had a coaching change. Norm Chow was the head coach, got fired. Nick Rolovich came in. And then Frost got the job at UCF, and he offered me. And um, you know, I, I just felt like I, I should I should take a couple of visits. Navy was also recruiting me pretty hard, and Coach Kenny also has mm-hmm. Hawaii ties, so I want to go check out there, and just and just make sure I was making the right decision for myself. Took a visit to Navy, loved it out there. Um, was honestly sold on them. Then I went down to Orlando from there, and man, it just. The campus is beautiful. The coaching staff was it's unbelievable. Huge school, man. Yeah. Huge. I don't think people realize just how big UCF yeah, it's is. Second, second biggest in, in the country next to ASU. So, I mean, I, I felt like it was the best, um, best conference I could have played in, offers-wise. And you know, I know they're coming off a 0-12 season, so I, I knew I had a chance to play. And you know, it was, it was just took a chance and ran with it. How many times did uh, Coach Frost drop Marcus's name in the recruiting process? I mean, all the time. I mean, Marcus is his guy, you know. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an easy uh, it's an easy name to drop. Just the way Marcus carried himself. He's I'm from Hawaii. He's from Hawaii. Easy. And the way, it seems like yeah. the easy sales pitch, and, right? And, and the way he plays, the way he carries himself, anybody would would uh, would want to emulate that wherever you're from. So he he definitely dropped his name a lot, but you know he he didn't he didn't uh, try to compare me to him too much because that's kind of that's some that's some big shoes to fill. You guys now what is left at UCF? We know your whole coaching staff mm-hmm. moved on, but from from us on the scouting side, I feel like every All Star game we went to, uh, we go through the combine. There's a million UCF guys in this last year's draft class. What is left in the cupboard after all you guys lost? Yeah, I mean we had four guys get drafted, I believe, and I think. A bunch two more that three, signed. Two or three guys that signed. About three guys that signed. So we lost. We lost seven guys. I mean, six of them were starters. We returned. That's 15 starters we returned. So we got a lot. We got a lot of guys coming. I didn't realize back. you had that much coming back. It seemed like you had a million we got, guys. We got about six or seven on offense coming back, and six or seven on defense. So what do we got at receiver? Because you lost a good one. You'll find out. We got some guys, man. <laughs> we got some right. good young guys. that had a transfer from Ole Miss, Trey okay. Nixon. Um, we got a stable of running backs. I think we'll be very explosive offensively. I like hearing that. Uh, give me who you guys open up with here. Open up with UConn. I believe it's August 30th. Then South Carolina State's our home opener. Okay. And then we play uh, the Lane Train and those guys. Oh, FAU. FAU. Here we so go. That'd be a fun game. The Lane Train action. Yeah. Does that get? By the way, do you hear at, at UCF? Do you guys? Does he make headlines in Orlando for what he's doing? Oh in yeah, Boca? yeah. I mean, you know, he's a he's a charismatic guy. And, you know, he's gonna he's gonna bring attention to his program. And, He's done a great job building building them up in the short time he's been there. I think they won 10 games last year, and they'll probably have another great year next year. But, I mean, when we play, we want to get after him. What are you working on on your game specifically this offseason? You know, I, I want to be a, I want to be a better player from the pocket. Um, I, feel, I feel I can improve a lot there. Um, I, I know I can make plays with my feet. I know I can extend plays outside the pocket, and that's a big part of the college game. But I know to get to where I want to go, I got to be able to – 
to hit those hit those 15 yard dig dig routes, hit those opposite opposite uh, field uh, comeback routes and from the pocket and sit in there and trust my own line. And so I, I think uh, I think that's a big part, especially with Coach Heupel's offense. You know, a lot of option routes, just trusting those receivers, being uh, being sound with my feet, kind of being like Drew Brees in there, just being a little speed skater in that pocket. So that's 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 a guy I try to emulate, and you know, that's that's a big part that I want to improve this off season. I'm glad you mentioned that about Drew. Is there anybody else that you've studied at the yeah. next level? You look at. Yeah, I mean, obviously Marcus. I mean, I would watch countless countless tape of Oregon, just seeing how he ran Frost offense. Mm-hmm. For the next level, I mean, you see guys like Russell Wilson. You know, they have to, they have to manipulate their arm angles for for their size. You know, you, you throw, you throw between the trees. You don't throw over them. Yep. So, you guys like Drew Brees, um, some smaller guys, Case Keenum. You see those guys. Um, they're, I mean, they're doing it. So, and Baker's gonna be another guy that that uh, hopefully. Uh, hey, did you perk up a little bit when you saw Baker go with the first? Yeah, pick? man. I, I I was honestly surprised. I thought they were gonna take you, Saquon me, number one. Well, yeah, I thought they were gonna take somebody else, but I didn't think that Baker was yeah, going number one. Yeah, but you know, he's a he's a charismatic guy too, and you know, he's gonna he's the type of guy that he's gonna bring energy to the energy to the field, and the guys are gonna the guys are gonna feed off of that, which is huge. I mean, that's huge in a quarterback. Not all quarterbacks are like that, so I think I think he's gonna do good things. I think he might have. A little bit, a little bit of growing pains, mm-hmm. just like anybody else. But I think he'll be a fine pro quarterback. I'll tell you what, man, you've been fun to talk to. I wish you the best of luck this year. Can't wait to watch you. Appreciate you. All right, here with Missouri quarterback Drew Locke out here at the uh, Elite Eleven camp. And uh, Drew, you've been out here for for a couple of days now. What's your what's your what's your week been like? You know, it's been really fun. It's uh, it's an interesting weekend when you get all these guys out here that you know all try to compete to be the best quarterback that they possibly can be. You know, you're on your campuses. There's four guys that can re- you can really relate to. And you come out here and there's 50-plus guys that you're just like, wow, they know the game of football. They know what it takes to be a great quarterback. And you just got to soak it all in you know, for this weekend. Have you been getting peppered with questions from these high school kids? You know it a little bit. Um, what's actually, the most popular one? What's the most popular one? I think it's what can I do? Like what's the number one thing I should do before heading down to college? And I think it's just practice having blinders on. I think – now, I'm not even going to get into like the the techniques of playing football, but just having your blinders on, knowing that there's going to be a lot of good things that happen to you, a lot of bad things that happen to you, and you can't take one one or the other, you know, more than the other one. That's just something that I've learned throughout the ups and the downs of college football. All right, look, it's all about being able to recover from those downs. What? Give me an example in, in your life. It could be personal, it could be on the on the field, but just some adversity you've been through and how you came out the other side. Yeah. So um, my first start my freshman year was against South Carolina. And we won. It was after our our starter had gotten into some trouble to where I ended up taking over the team, ended up starting the rest half, the second half of the year. But after that first win, I was on top of the world. You know, I read into all of it, checked Twitter, loved <laughs> it, got a ton of followers from it. I was like, wow, this is this is big time college football. Just beat Steve Spurrier in his last year. And then I go and we play Florida with Hargraves and Tabor and all those guys. Second, and, Quincy Wilson. And they put they put a whooping on me, and I, we didn't win another game until five weeks later. And I really read into the negative stuff, um, and you know, hard time going to class. Cause I was thinking everyone was, I'm a failure. You know, I'm I'm playing bad ball right now, wearing hoods everywhere I go. I just I read into it too much, yeah. and that's why the number one thing I like to tell these guys is that, like I said, have those blinders on, because. No one really knows what it's all about unless they're in your locker room with you or your coaches or your players. How'd you snap out of that? I think I had to delete Twitter. <laughs> I had to st- I really just had to stop feeding into all the negativity and 
the positivity from people that just truly didn't understand. They just don't, they really don't know. Unless you're the people out here on this field with us right now, mm-hmm. there's, there's a few that actually understand. Tell me a little bit about your wide receiver from last year. I enjoyed watching him, Jamal Moore, going into mm-hmm. the draft process. Uh, were you surprised uh, with his draft situation? I thought, you know, look, I thought he, a, I thought he would run faster, but uh, I thought his name would be called a little bit earlier. Yeah, he is. He's a freak. Um, I actually threw to him my junior year of high school. He somehow learned I was coming there, grabbed me out of the stand, and said, "Hey, come throw with me for a sec." And I was like, "All right, cool." Like one of the guys just pulled me down <laughs> to throw with him. Come to find out, you know, we're three or four years down the road and we're connecting for touchdowns left and right but he is like I said he's a freak he didn't run very well at the combine came to the pro day ran a lot better and I think that helped him out a lot but as far as he ran by everybody you played against I know that that's for sure he does he's a game speed kind of guy probably but he uh no, he's a great guy. He's a great guy, too. What have you been working on uh, specifically uh, on your game this offseason to improve? Say that again, Yeah, sorry. what have you been working on specifically in your game, kind of focus points for yeah, you yeah. in the offseason? I think it was really getting in with Coach Dooley mm-hmm. from, from the Cowboys and really hearing what he has to say. Uh, it's, it's a total different level of game, different way to speak, different way to look at coverages, different way to run plays. It's just so much different compared to what I've been taught so far. So I'm really just trying to soak in all that knowledge from him because he's been through it all already. So it's really well, fun. There's some lively energy out here as they're going through <laughs> some workouts out here. Yeah. Tell me what these uh, what these practices are like at Missouri. You guys uh, talk it up. Is it quiet? Is it energetic? What are we, what are we looking at here if I stop by Missouri? Yeah, no, I'd go a little bit of both. We uh, Sometimes we have speakers on golf carts that follow probably five or six feet behind me so that, you know, when we go play at Georgia, we go play at Florida, Tennessee, you're used to the loud. You're, you're ready for whatever. Um, no, real energetic. Coach Dooley is probably the loudest one on the field. Did, uh, did you go great. watch? Did you go watch the uh, the Cowboys documentary? Because he's the, what's the name? He of this is thing? In all, it. all or nothing. He's all he over that thing. Yeah. Did you watch it? He, I have not seen all of it. I've oh, seen a dude, little bit. Oh, dude, you got to go watch this thing, oh, man. He's he is a, he is a character. He makes he's saying rap lyrics in one of the episodes. Of you course, ha- you have is. to watch. Of course, that. he is. He's he is a ball of fire, twenty four seven, and I think it makes it great. All of us come in super excited to be in meetings with him. I couldn't have asked for a better senior year transition, you know, a new offense, but he's teaching it so well to us. Well, give, me, uh, give me what the goals are here for this, uh, for this team going forward in this next upcoming season. Yeah, so the way I like to answer that is I don't have anything, and nor does the senior class that I came in with, have anything we really want to hang our hat on. Went to the Texas Bowl, didn't turn out the way we wanted to, had that run after going one and five to get to ball eligible and get to seven um but that's just not good enough for us we want to have something that we can leave you know the university with the state and i i mean that's gonna be no nothing better than you know trying to play for a championship pretty much looking forward to watching you this fall man one of the best players in college football can't wait to see uh, what happens here in 2018 thanks for your time man thank you well, Buck, i got to tell you, it was definitely uh, worth my time. I know you're involved with that Elite 11 every year, but I've enjoyed getting a chance to just be a visitor, a spectator here the last couple years and uh, get a chance to see some of the high school kids. is great. To watch the college kids throw is even better. But my favorite time when I get to, to show up at these events is to get a chance to visit with these kids and talk with them. Uh, you get to learn a lot about them before they've been coached up by agents, and you get some, some real authentic answers there. Yeah, I think real authentic. I think the big thing is getting an opportunity to see these guys perform live, seeing them interact with uh, guys that they ultimately will compete with at that spot. Um, I think it's a nice 
opportunity to get a real behind-the-scenes perspective on them, and I think it'll help us both with our uh, draft evaluations going forward. No question. Well, that was a that was a busy show. I've got so much World Cup to watch, so I'm going to have to duck out of here. I do want to tease though on the next episode. We'll run. I I believe these are our last two interviews we uh, collected from the Elite 11 event. That's Trace McSorley, the quarterback from Penn State, Manny Wilkins, the quarterback from Arizona State. So we'll roll those on the next episode as well as have a chance to recap all these uh, OTAs and mini camps as they've come to a close. So uh, kind of that last. The last bit of football we'll see on the field for a while, Buck, but we'll have plenty to talk about. Plenty to talk about because then we can start casting our eyes to looking forward at the draft prospects next year as the guys uh, in the league go on a little hiatus before training camp starts at the end of July. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, and I think we're almost to a thousand in terms of the ratings on Apple Podcasts. I think we're maybe six or seven away. Uh, would just be awesome. We get that over a thousand before we we get back together for our next episode. So thank you guys so much uh, for listening. Thanks for the loyalty, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com/podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.